it's amazing what one company do, which is what I, why I do what I do. I want to help people change the world. Cattle Call Podcast. This is the third, I think it's the third episode now. I'm Isaac Weston. I'm here with Mitch Anderson. I always call him Money Mitch because he's my <laughs> financial advisor. Called him Money Mitch for the last seven, eight years. Keep things straight. And uh, I'm just honored to have him on. It's one of the, I guess it's the first interview I've done in the Nashville area. So I'm excited to be here. Again, Mitch Anderson. Mitch, you can say hello. Awesome. Hello. Glad How to do- be here. How you awesome. doing? You happy? Doing good. Doing great. Great. Driving d- despite the chaos. So despite the, yeah. So you work in finance, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Financial planner, financial advisor. We also do like 15 company 401k plans. So, and we, which we love because it uh-huh. gives us a chance to help hundreds of people at one time. So it's fun. Yeah. And uh, did you start eFinancial Alliance? I did. Yeah. I'm a midlife crisis guy. So, uh, uh, I was in corporate finance for mm-hmm. probably 15 years or so, 14 years, I guess. Travel the world, helping companies be successful financially. And then, but I always loved it when people would come in my office and go, hey, you're the money guy, right? Uh-huh. Money you're Mitch. the finance yeah. guy. You know, what is a stock option? What do I do with a 401k? I don't even know what a 401k is. Should I do it? You know, I loved that. And so one day I was going to just quit my job and be a financial advisor. And, uh, I told a really wise mentor of mine, I said, hey, will you have coffee with me? I got this idea. He said, sure, we met. Mm-hmm. Leads this big company, not a financial firm, but a, he was gracious enough to give me a few minutes. I said, hey, I want to be a financial advisor. I'm just going to quit my job and do that. And he said, hold on a second. Do not just quit your He said, well, we've got enough financial advisors. The last thing this world needs is just another guy going to try to do that, right? Right. He said, try to get your CFP, Certified Financial Planner tell you it'll tell you if you're serious you'll learn a lot mm-hmm. and uh, you know most advisors don't have it because they either can't pass the test or don't want to take the time and those were probably the wisest words I ever got and, and okay and, and who is that mentor uh his name is carl roberts and uh shout out to carl if he ever listens to this i'm gonna I let him so, know uh, yeah. he's an awesome guy uh but he uh he kind of steered me in that direction i had to make an investment went to belmont for a year came home told my wife i was like hey good news and bad news she said uh well, what's the bad news? I said, the bad news is we're going to take a six-figure pay cut. And we had a brand-new baby. My son had just been born. And she said, okay, well, what's the uh, good news? And we had talked about it some, of course. But he, she said, what's the good news? I said, well, there's no Corvette, no new girlfriend. You know, yeah. we're in this together. <laughs> and uh, But could it's be been worse. awesome. Yeah, it could be worse. But she was great, and it's, it's been awesome. Okay, so you have a wife and a son. How many kids do you have total? Got three. Got a uh, sophomore in college in L.A. Just dropped her off at USC, which is uh, – kind of crazy right now that right. environment uh and uh we've got a sophomore at uh centennial high school in franklin and uh we've got a, a sixth grader so and a sixth grader a son, okay yeah and what school is the sixth grader at is it mom's school or no no he's at okay. cpa oh, okay uh, gotcha uh, christ presbyterian academy so uh uh we did that for a variety of reasons it's a great school but uh, we were already there but it's been great during this time because sure. he's, he's been able to get a lot of support so so a quick yeah quick uh intro here i met mitch 
through my mom. So my mom's a teacher at a school in Franklin, and she did a career day, if I remember right. You can that's correct right. me if I'm wrong. No, that's right. And did a career day, brought in different people. I think she had like a, like a detective or a police officer or something like that, uh, a pilot, uh, just a handful of people throughout the day. And then your daughter, Avery, the one in L.A. now, mm-hmm. was in her class. And I don't know if she recommended or you reached out or mom reached out. I don't know how it all worked, but at some point you came in the class struck a chord with my mom. My mom was like, all right, my son's, I'm in high school at the time. He's like, Hey, he, he needs to start, you know, establishing some good financial habits now. And this guy came in. I really like this guy. He's a Christian. He's trustworthy. He did a very good presentation. The people took to him. The least I can do is set my son up with him. And so I came up and met you then a little while later and got a nice Roth IRA. Yeah. So, and then that's, that's how I met Mitch and then haven't seen him since around that time. So it's been a good seven, eight years, but that's how I know him. And then that's the, that's the daughter in LA now. Yeah. She was fifth or fifth grade at the time. Fifth grade. And by the way, your mom's one of her all time favorite teachers. Still. No kidding. She talks about Miss Weston. She I'll have to let her know. She probably yeah. won't listen to the podcast. So I'll have to tell her that. Just first tell her time. that. Yeah. yeah, no, she is. She, she loved yeah. Miss Weston. And you know what? That's a, that's actually a funny story. That's, that's exactly what happened. I came. Okay. And so what happened that day was there was a pilot, uh, like a UPS driver and, and like an engineer, uh-huh. like you said, who builds bridges, designs these cool bridges, right? And then there was me. And I was like, how am I going to get these kids interested in what I do? You yeah. know, everybody else had these easy to visualize kind of yeah. job, you know. So I had four cups, styrofoam cups, those four cups right there okay. that are sitting in my office. Cool. And they say, spin, uh, save, give, and invest. And uh, I asked the kids, I was like, how, you know, I gave them $21 bills. I said, how would you divide these up in these buckets? And do you know what they did? Hmm. Five in each. Okay. $5 in the give, $5 mm-hmm. in the save, $5 in the spend, $5 in the invest. And I said, if you guys will do that really in life, you will all be wealthy if you start right now. Mm-hmm. And all it takes is $12 a week starting in fifth grade. They were in fifth grade mm-hmm. to have a million dollars when they're 65. $12 a week. And so, anyway, that's one of the most successful presentations I ever did was four styrofoam cups. After yeah. that, I got a call from the pilot and the yeah. engineer and your mom. <laughs> you know, you know, it was awesome because I loved helping you. And you're off to a great start in, in life or, you know, even in high school. That was phenomenal. So, it's good. It was fun. Well, I didn't know about the cups. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I should have been in that class, too. Probably, <laughs> it probably helped me out a little bit. Well, it just goes to show you yeah. can have all these financial theories, but... You know, it's hard to beat basics like, you know, styrofoam cups with magic marker written on them. That's right, man. Whatever works. That's right. You know know your market. Uh, Okay, so how'd you you and your wife meet? You know, we met in college at UT. Okay. And uh, she, um, it was kind of funny, my little brother, I was in a fraternity, my little brother and her uh, went to school together. They were the same age. Went to elementary school all the way up. And we had lived about 45 miles apart. We didn't know each other. So we went there, and then I was—I'm a big sports fan, so I went to every football game, every basketball game. Well, she was a cheerleader, so I tell people I stalked her for a year before we ever went yeah. out. You know, I went to every sports fan. I would have gone anyway. You're right. Now but, you have more uh, of a reason. I got more of a reason, but uh, so just we ended up kind of seeing each other at a lot of events, and uh, actually had a girlfriend at the time, and nice ended it with her, and started uh, asked my wife to go out and. What's your wife's name? Her name is Kalia, K E L E A H. Kalia, okay, cool, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually a Hawaiian flower. Is she Hawaiian? Or? No, she's no. not. Her mom just thought it was a cool name, and, yeah. and we went to Hawaii one year, 
uh, on vacation, and we're on this tour, like hiking tour of Hawaii. And we knew that Kalia was a Hawaiian flower. Mm-hmm. And so they were, you know, what's your name? We're going around, and, and my wife goes, Kalia. And, and the tour guide starts to smile. And we said, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a Hawaiian flower, right? And he just starts laughing. And, and apparently some people smoke it. I don't know, <laughs> something like that, you know. And so anyway. <laughs> Like, oh, um, we love Kalia. Yeah, we love Kalia's. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, did, now did you go to UT for finance or anything finance oriented? Yeah, well, my undergraduate degree is in biomedical engineering. So, oh. yeah, I wanted to be, I wanted to design knee joints and stuff like that. And and my senior project was we designed an artificial fallopian tube made out of Dacron. Which what is that? It's uh, you know, at the time this was you know. 25, 30 years ago, right? That was cutting edge. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, the problem I had, Isaac, and I went to work for Baxter Healthcare, actually, um, do, designing like saline bags. Okay. But the, the issue was I can't stand blood very well. And a lot of work oh, was... Probably a big uh, part of it. Yeah, that was, you know, was going in emergency rooms, figuring out how the knee joints responding to things and all that. So to do what I really wanted, I was going to have to deal with the blood probably. And uh, So when I was working for Baxter Healthcare, I was doing a lot of cost estimates mm-hmm. on the new machinery to make these saline bags. And I love the finance part. I'm an immersive guy anyway. And I said, you know, I'll just go get my MBA in finance. And so that's, that's how I kind of ended up in the financial world. And then I went to work for FedEx in Memphis. Oh, okay. Right on. Right out of school. And, and you know, I'm glad Isaac, I didn't work for them later in my career because I probably would have never left. Really, a great company, you know. I mean, I, you know, I, it's been twenty years, but when I was there, I mean, no better company to work for. Mm-hmm. Um, was helping them buy airplanes. That was a lot of fun. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. it was a fun job. Yeah, they own like half the city. Yeah, it feels like you're talking about, we were down there the other day, uh, this last weekend, driving to church, and you pass their big world headquarters. Yeah, and you think about like, hey, they have the stadium, they have the other stadium, they kind of have this stadium, they have half the University of Memphis campus, they have all these other buildings, like they just, they run the city. And apparently, if I, if I remember right on this as well, between like 10.30 p.m. and 4.30 a.m., Memphis becomes the busiest airport in the world because they're sending out like two planes every 10 seconds or something unreal like that, all the FedEx planes that are coming out. Yeah. So it's a, I guess I never realized how massive FedEx was. Till I, you know, had moved down to Memphis and saw that they just have their name on everything in the city. Yeah, for sure. I don't think FedEx gets enough credit for it. they. Inv- really? They invented an industry, right? They invented the overnight delivery industry that now we all use with Amazon. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, really. Right, yeah. UPS and FedEx are still kind of the only people that really can deliver overnight, and uh, so it's amazing what one company do. Which is what I why I do what I do. I want to help people change the world. FedEx changed the world. Think of what they've done for the city of Memphis, but not even that, you know, all over the globe, how many medicines get delivered next day, how many organs transplant. I mean, it's just amazing. And uh, Fred Smith, who found the company, I think his humility, but yet his innovation, Mm -hmm. but staying humble and staying, you know, because if you're not humble, you're not going to respond to new ideas as quickly because you think you're right. 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 He was, uh, I got to meet him several times and uh, it's great, great place to start your career. So are you from Tennessee originally or from Tennessee, from West Tennessee farming community. And, uh, my dad ran an agricultural supply store, basically supplying the farmers with everything they needed, cool. you know? So, uh, yeah, very humble, beginning, very 
poor area, uh-huh. you know, and uh, but it was a great place to to grow up. Really, everyone knew everyone in mm-hmm. town, and uh, and and not a lot of people left. So when I went to college, I mean, that was a, a a big deal for a lot of families to see. You know, that only a handful of kids really went away to college. A lot of kids right. went to college, but it was usually 15, 20 minutes away or whatever. And um, so yeah, but it was a great place to to grow up. I was always in cotton fields or, to, you know, really? my, my first job was picking tomatoes. Um, oh, man. which was in 98 degree heat. It was, was a really humbling experience. Oh and, yeah. And incentivized me to want to go to college. Makes you work in an office, man. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'll never complain about yeah. air conditioning. So. Yeah. No kidding. So did growing up in a community like that in a home like that, did that have any influence on you wanting to work in finance or have different money management in the future or at least help people overcome situations like that or what? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know that it did at some level because there was just the kind of poverty we saw, you know, in the 80s in a small town in West Tennessee was, yeah. you know, in the area we, we live in now, we really, really don't even see it here. Like you would have to drive around to f- find it and right. there it was common. So there was part of it. Really, the reason I'm doing what I'm doing today was just looking around and seeing what a need there is, and because there's a few simple solutions that can lead to enormous wealth. And why does wealth matter to me? Is because those are resources to help people in the world, right? What, sure. what, you know, what if every billionaire woke up today and their sole work was figuring out how to help as many people as possible, right? Right. And so creating wealth wealth is unlimited why not create more of it to use those uh, tools the other reason is my wife and I were married five years we both worked great jobs and we have absolutely not a single penny to show for those five years really? yeah. <laughs> we we had a good time yeah good memories yeah uh, and I thought you know a lot of people think well you probably have made all the right decisions that's why you're doing this and I'm like actually I made a ton of wrong decisions and that's why I'm doing this because I looked and go you know what if I had just invested 15% of my our incomes, if we had just done that uh-huh. for those five years, we calculated today, it would be around 600000 Just from the 15%? Just from the 15% in those five years. Wow. So instead of 600000 we've got zero from those five years. Yeah. And, you know, we wouldn't have missed it, Isaac. We we were we were having a we were going yeah. on cruises we we worked hard but we weren't buying cars and we were you know and I love to do that kind of stuff it's just mm-hmm. that if that fifteen percent was gone before I ever saw it right and growing yeah because there's a difference between saving and investing um, and and so that's what I do would why one another reason why I do what I do right so gotcha and then what does your wife do does she have a finance background at all or no, she's uh, she is extremely talented mm-hmm. in a lot of areas, um, but she doesn't love finance. Uh, but she she owns a yoga studio. There we go. And uh, it's a Christian yoga studio, and so many people have come to faith through that really? and get get healing through that uh, ministry. She's doing a lot of online stuff now, obviously. Sure. Um, but that that's what she she does. So. Uh, Tremendously impactful, and uh, yeah. it's uh, it's been fun to see. Okay, so I, I have no idea about that. I want to talk more about that later with the with the healing stuff. Um, so, how has your work changed at all through COVID, or at least how has your outlook on your work changed since all the COVID nineteen stuff hit? Yeah, you know that's a great question. Uh, for one thing, it it it's a reminder that 
uh, in stressful times, it's hard for people to make great decisions. Mm-hmm. And so having people around that are not emotional about your current situation for all of us right. is extremely helpful. So I've been humbled and honored to do this during then. Has it been stressful? Terribly, right? We, yeah. we have clients that watched their jobs or their, you know, busy. We got one, one client who has five restaurants. Oh man. They all got closed. I mean, you know, you take that call from a client say, Hey, what do you think about this situation? I'm closing all five uh, restaurants. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just an interesting time to, to be doing what we do, but you can't talk about someone's money without talking about their heart. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, how are they approaching life and what's in their heart as they relate, you know, what's their relationship with their money has right. really come to the forefront here. And also just persistence, not panicking, stay in the course. I mean, markets have recovered uh, amazingly well. We, we had confidence that markets would eventually recover. Right. They've been more resilient than we thought. Now, however, if you peel below the service, the big companies have done really, really well, but the yeah. small companies not, not only just in the stock market, you know, there's over 3,400 listings in the U.S. stock markets. Uh, the vast majority, over 3,000 of those are significantly down. Really? But the handful of the big players, you know, Amazons, Apples, they've done really, really well during this time as people kind of consolidate to those. Sure. We're optimistic that that'll, that'll recover uh, to the rest of the economy. We hope it does. But, I, you know, I've been humbled to just help clients get a more of a sense of peace during this. Mm-hmm. We've had some strategies that plan for, hey, if this happens, if we get a huge calamity, here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. It could be something simple as staying on our task and rebalancing a portfolio, which means, you know, buying more of what's gone down and uh-huh. we still believe that it will cover. That's worked out great. You know, we met with a client yesterday. They're up significantly since COVID happened. They couldn't believe it. And it was just simple as like not any genius moves. It was just following this plan. Okay. Right? It And, and so it, it's sort of like if a flood happens, you know, let's say you're camping or whatever. If a flood happens, we're going to move the tent. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're going right, right. to we're gonna, we're gonna have stakes that are easy to move. We're going to, you know, it's just planning a little bit. You move. And so. Yeah. I don't want to sound like we have all the answers. We don't, you know, in the middle of it, we didn't know how long it was going to last or whatever, but we knew that that panicking and making wholesale changes to plans that had been in place for years wasn't probably the answer. Making adjustments, looking at the situation and calmly taking new steps. Yeah. That's prudent. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's been a learning time for all of us and, uh, but there's still more to, more to do. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty ahead. I mean, do you think we're coming out of it now? Like from what it has been to where we're at now, does it look like we're coming out of it or is it still ambiguous? Yeah. I mean, I think we're definitely coming out of it. I'm optimistic. The worst is behind us from a, what we call asset pricing. Like how much is your portfolio worth? How Uh much are these companies that we all own and bonds that we own and various instruments? I I think that's behind us without any further kind of calamities. But I do think it's going to be, you know, a lot longer in terms of a full recovery for everyone, whether mm-hmm. that means the the guy that was a restaurant manager or the company that's, a, you know, the cruise line companies or whatever. You know, it's right. going to be a while. But we believe in the global economy. We believe in the U.S. economy. We'll believe that, that they can innovate yeah, and right. change. We're already seeing companies innovate and reinvent themselves. You look at some of the great companies over the years, they've innovated the mm-hmm. ones that are still around. Look at Microsoft, right? Microsoft's done well. 
they were, you know, in 1990, all their revenues came from an operating system they just launched that everyone was starting to use. Now, that's a fraction of their revenues. Right, right. right? They got cloud compute. They, uh, you know, create the Xbox. You know, they've got all these other lines of businesses, services that they offer. So it's also a time to force people, whether it be those companies or yoga studios. Right, right. They have to innovate. We all have to. Financial advisors. We, we used to have clients, Isaac, that they always wanted to come into our office. Yeah. Like, we're going to meet with you in your office. Um, we've got a 90-year-old client who's a book publisher. We've got several folks. You know, they wanted to come in the office, and now they're like, yeah, let's do it Zoom. Oh, right? wow, yeah. So, uh, you know, the one regret I have is is that we didn't buy more Zoom stock than oh, we have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that would have worked out well. Had you been well. in Congress, you might have known about it. Well, time. Could have bought some. Well, maybe so, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I saw a bunch of. Uh, I started buying stock for the first time when all this stuff hit, because you look at a cruise line and it's like, whatever, seven dollars a share. Yeah, you know, like you look at it's fifty-two week high and it may have been at fifty something a share, and then so like the casinos are down, like all the sports betting are down, um, airlines are down, like every everything was down. And that's when I was like, okay, that's why people were worried because you look at every single industry was literally except for like Amazon, right, and Netflix. Like anything that you did out and about, like it was, I mean, it was in the pits and you hear the, the horror stories of people that lost, um, knew someone who lost like 600,000, not you, but someone else, 600,000, someone who lost like 50,000 in the first couple of weeks out of their retirement just gone like that. Yeah. Um, how, how do we in the future, just like knowing what we know now, how can we prepare better for if something like this were to happen that we can just, min- I guess like minimize the loss? Yeah. Well, it's a great question. I think the first thing is to realize that we're not in control, right? I think we live in a society where we've got enough comforts that we've created enough technology that sometimes we have mm-hmm. periods of illusion of control. Right. And this latest event proved that we don't have control. Uh, having said that, there's some prudent things to do. Every business, you know, we talk a lot about emergency funds for people. And and so that's one thing, right? Have your emergency fund. Mm-hmm. If, if you're, you know, some rules of thumb apply if you're, single with a very steady stable job you think with a high skill set maybe you have you know six months you can have more if you're you know double income maybe you have 12 i mean it depends on the situation that's why we meet with clients figure that out but you know some level of also for businesses i think a lot of businesses realized we need continuity plans in place so it's planning we're financial planners that's what we do so obviously we're biased i think companies can have you know you know Three to six months, right? We didn't count on a yoga studio, for example, getting closed down. Right. Three months. Restaurants getting closed down three months. Uh, so those are some things. But I think the other thing, Isaac, and this is one thing where healing comes in, is even though we can make the greatest investments in the world if we can, uh, it still doesn't matter if, one, you don't stay invested. Right. Uh, two, you don't invest in the first place. And part of staying invested and investing in the first place is having a mindset that works. So we're doing a lot of work on behavioral finance. And I think if you and I are talking in 10 years from now, that's going to overwhelmingly be a topic that's top of mind. You said behavioral finance? Behavioral finance. So what is that? So it's it's a broad topic, but there's a couple of good people to follow on this topic. One's Dr. Shlomo Bernardzi out at UCLA. Um Peter Thaler, who won a Nobel Prize, they've kind of pioneered a lot of this thinking. But it's one is how do you think about money? Okay. What is your relationship to it? Why are you investing? Why do you want money? How much do you want? But there's also some behavioral things that we can do during hard times 
like automated investing. That's why 401ks work so well. That's why we believe in them so much. I would say the vast majority of people that come in our office to have a real chance to retire or to have financial independence have it because they had some sort of 401k type vehicle in place mm-hmm. where it, it's done automatically. They don't really look at it every day. They don't see it. It works for them on their behalf in good times and bad. Keeping that behavior is important. So we might go into a company and we auto-enroll everyone. Okay. So, for example, we did a, a few years ago, we did two companies in Brentwood, uh, Maryland Farms area, at the same time, kind of medical tech companies, very similar employee base, 30 to 50 employees. We put 401K plans in both. Now, these people live in the same area, work in the same area. They see each other at Chick-fil-A on Saturday or at their kids' soccer games. So very similar profiles. One of them, we said to the CFO, we were like, hey, we want to do auto enrollment, which means everybody's automatically in. Mm-hmm. They can log in the next day and take themselves right back out, but they're automatically investing. He's like, sounds great. Let's do it. Another CFO said, you know, I don't want to force them in. They're smart people. They'll probably enroll. They'll be fine. Right. Three years later, do you know how many were in the plan where you had to sign up? Zero. 28%. So 28%. So roughly one in four people signed up for it. Wow. Do you know how many people were in the plan where they're automatically and they were still in it three years later, had never unenrolled? 78. Oh, wow. So that's 50% more people. And that plan had like $1.2 million in it. The other plan had like $250,000. So that's a million extra dollars available for them Uh in retirement there was only one difference, and that is one got one set got auto enrolled and one didn't. That's behavioral gotcha. finance. That's an example. The other is, and this one's important, and I didn't mean to cut you off. No, if you no, had a question good, about that, we can come back to it for sure. But the other is, and where I'm spending a lot of time personally is anxiety. Okay. And here's why that matters: is I believe, and we have a lot of counselor clients we talk to about this, and that if the average level of anxiety in America was a five out of ten. Mm-hmm. say 30 years ago it's been running the last couple of years at a seven or eight hmm. you can call it you can blame social media or unrest or you know i don't know all you know there's a lot of reasons you could maybe suppose but people are anxious going right. into this epidemic this pandemic that we've just had and how, how does that relate to their money well it's hard for them to make non-emotional decisions even more when you're in an sure. anxious state so you know Think of your most stressful times, right? And then having somebody come up and asking you to make a really wise, you know, decision about strategically about your future. It's very difficult to do it at the time, right? Right. It just is. Because our brains get into that fear mode from the caveman days, right? We're looking for the saber-toothed tiger. And um, when you're in the saber-toothed tiger mindset, when everything's a saber-toothed tiger, you don't make good financial decisions. And so that's why we're so adamant. We even send in our letter. We rarely, we don't try to tell clients what to do. Mm-hmm. And we don't do tell, but what we, what we did is encourage them, please limit your news consumption, no matter yeah. what channel you like, to 15 minutes a day. Because it puts so many people in fear brain. Right. When you watch the one, ep- the, the one person that died of uh, some rare disease and they're running it, all of a sudden, you're looking for that rare disease. Right. That's the way the brain works. It's called the reticular activating system, right? And 
And what that tell the brain, once you tell it what to look for, it starts looking for it. It's why when you see a car, say you've got a white truck, yeah. brand new Chevy truck, um, and you start driving, all of a sudden you see brand new white Chevy trucks. Right, right. Because your brain is, is looking for it. So if you're looking for danger, if you're in that danger space, then you see your portfolio, your investments as in danger rather than seeing the opportunity. You know what? I can buy some Zoom right now. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's going to blow it like and the people that can do that and stay in that calm state have an advantage. And so we want all our clients and everybody we know and ourselves to stay in that calm where the where the strategic mind is working. Right. Where the frontal cortex, where where the amygdala, where the fear brain is not in control. Right. If that makes sense at all. Right. Yeah. I was thinking about um, actually I actually dug and found it. I don't know if I have it with me still, but. There was something that you had uh, like retweeted back when there was a government shutdown like a year and a half ago, and it's just one of those little moments that like just stuck with me. And the and the tweet was something about how so everyone's freaking out. I remember there I can't remember what the thing was. It was some it may have been the Affordable Care Act or what. There was something going on where Congress couldn't decide. They had a big government shutdown for a couple of weeks, and all the people that were public sector are freaking out because they're not going to get any money until it happens. Even my girlfriend's dad who he's an attorney, but he does a lot of work for the state in Arkansas. Well, that like that stopped his funding. Thankfully, mm-hmm. he's very wise financially. So, yeah, he didn't have the cash flow, but he also wasn't like, I'm going to miss a meal now. But the tweet that uh, you had retweeted was talking about how if by you like missing one paycheck puts you in this like pretty much like financial tailspin, then, which I've, I've been like that in the past. I thought about myself in the past, like high school, early college is, man, like I was, I really was living paycheck to paycheck. But that's like kind of looking through a keyhole at the rest of America that I mean, everyone's figuring out the government shutdown, not because it's a government shutdown. We can't decide on this big bill. It was the fact that, well, now these people are going to miss a paycheck and by them missing a paycheck, I mean, they're out like they're going to be evicted. They're not going to, you know, their car is going to be repoed. They're not going to eat. They're going to starve to death. It's like, does that not freak anyone else out that by missing one paycheck, that's it, mm-hmm. you know, and that's one of those that's always kind of stuck me like, all right, you know, dig your well before you're thirsty. You yeah. Know? Right. Man, yeah, so great when did this come? Um, okay, so last financial question. We'll move into the next thing. What is something that you wish you would have known? Like, let's say when you were, you know, twenty three years old, that you could have done differently, or at least just done earlier. Yeah. Well, there's probably a long laundry list at twenty three, but I will say the number one thing is is compound interest. You know, just understanding that. Even if it, it, I probably at twenty three understood the con that it was a that it was a concept. Yeah. But understanding its pure power, right? And just like I mentioned, just investing that five years I mentioned, you know, my wife and I were, were early married. Um, the, having that work for you, your money, your 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 money becomes an employee for you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to pay Social Security for your employee when it's your investments, right? I wish I had known that because that's available to everyone. I think one of the great lies uh, that we tell ourselves or let others tell us or let Satan tells us or however you view it is is always this. You know what? I can't afford to invest right now. Mm-hmm. Like you'll get, We'll go into a company, and it doesn't matter... Uh, we, we went into a company with a lot of highly paid engineers, right? These guys, most of them make six figures. Or we'll get, we've got other companies where it's it's like a lumber yard, right? And they're making, you know, very modest wages. It doesn't matter which one it is. If you go in there and ask someone, hey, can you afford to invest 15% of your income in your 401k? You know what they're going to say? 
No. 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 And the reason why is because when they left work for work that morning, their wife said, hey, uh, by the way, I need to get new tires for the car today, and the kids have soccer practice, or, you know, they want to go on vacation, or, you know, we need, you know, new eyeglasses or whatever, right? Right. There's always more, for most Americans, there's more demands on their funds than there is funds, Mm -hmm. at least in their mind. But what you find is, in real life, if you just invest first at Mm -hmm. 20%, whatever the number is, and we like that number for a lot of reasons that I could explain later, but let's say that it doesn't have to be that number, but let's say that's what it is. What you end up doing is when you get to the end of the month, instead of getting that new set of tires, when you go get your oil change, hey, by the way, you need some new tires or you need a air filter or whatever. Right. You go, you know what? It's the 24th. I can probably wait a week and a half and get that next month. Right. Yeah. And then you just do that, but you already invested your 20%. And it, again, the way we know that is, is through the 401ks. You know, we had a guy who started uh, uh, a company, had about 15 employees, and he said he accidentally underpaid his employee by 20% for like three months. Oh, man. And went and told his employee, said, we're going to make this up to you. We're going to give you all of it plus some amount. Right. I can't remember. You know, we just, the employee didn't know. And I think most of us don't know because when we get our paycheck, it's got all these things deducted, right? It's tax yeah. and this and that and health care and whatever. So we don't really know. And so understanding that, I wish the first day I'd started FedEx at FedEx, 20% coming out, never see it, and mm-hmm. I and never stop. And then you understand that power of compounding. Mm-hmm. So that, that's probably the top one. I would say for everyone. Yeah. You know, think about college kids, Isaac, coming out. They're, they've been you know, making you know, virtually nothing, right? right. You know, maybe a couple thousand bucks a year or whatever, right. whatever it is in the summer. And now they get their first job, and let's say it's you know, $40,000 a year. I'm just going to make up a number, right? Why can't you take eight thousand? You've been used to zero. Yeah. Why can't you go from zero to thirty-two? Because once you go from zero to forty, and you get used to that forty, that eight thousand yeah. is really hard. But if you've been used to zero, and you go to thirty-two, it's a lot easier. Right. So that's the concept. That's a good concept. Easier, uh, easier said than done. Easier for said sure. than done. But yeah. I know. Uh, I want to say it was David Platt. I don't know if you've read any of his stuff, and. It, it's either Radical or Follow Me, one of his books. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about America versus the first century church and just kind of our habits and talking about how just much we live above our means. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, you see these NFL players, or Dennis Rodman had like $35 million, and then he's negative $1 million. Like, how do you blow through $36 million? How do you do you know, that habits? And he was talking about, I think it was a um, like an old, like a Scottish pastor or theologian or somebody who that he realized, okay, here's what I need to survive for a year. Here's what my wife and I need. Here's what I need for the house, for the kids, for, you know, even like a rainy day fund. Like, here's what it is. And anything above that number, we're giving away because that's what we need to live, yeah. you know, and be safe, be, be wise. And ministry took off. I think you did books. This is back in the day. But um, everything he did, I think he ended up, it got to the point where he was at like, what that number was, was maybe 20% of what he was even making. But he had those habits so deeply rooted that it wasn't like, oh my gosh, I'm making a million dollars. I only need 60,000. I'm giving the rest of that away. It was, you're so used to only needing that 60,000. Like you're not even counting the other money. Right. And because those habits were so established, which I mean, goals me as a person and as, as a lot of Christians I talk to and just people just in America is America's telling you, it's like, no, you like, you don't need to find that number and stay there. It's like you need to keep like the shark growing to the size of its tank. 
It's like whatever you're making is what you need to be spending. And then you see all the credit card debt and all. I mean, you know a lot more than I do about it. But I've always, that's always kind of stuck with me too is like it's not our money. Right. You know, think about the the, the uh, definition of steward is someone who manages the master stuff. Mm. You know, and it's not it's not ours. That's so right. So that's just the 60000 we need. I mean, the rest isn't ours to begin with. You know, why why is it so hard to give away? So, how, I mean, how are you using money? Again, I mean, you still want to help people. How are you using it as your ministry, as your means to change the world? Yeah. Well, one, that's a great point, great question. And I'm glad you brought that up about the giving. Because if I could, you know, if someone just said, hey, everything you've learned, everything you've seen in 20 years, you know, you know, in 12 doing this exactly, but, you mm-hmm. know, and um, what would you, what would you tell people to do? What, what's your prescription? What we find with, you know, the people that are the happiest and the wealthiest, if you get have a scoring system uh-huh. with the successful people from those regards do, um, is they give first with their first dollar. They give right off the top and they give it first. And then they save and invest, including investing in themselves. That could be learning new skills, going to conferences, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they pay the mortgage. Then they pay the light bill. Then they pay the cell phone, ever-increasing cell phone bill. Yeah. Right? You know, then they pay all those things. What broke people do is exactly the opposite. Broke people, uh, you know, they pay their... Um, you know, utility bills, you know, their mortgage first, utility bills, et cetera, et cetera. And they get to the end of the month and go, well, maybe I'll invest in my 401k. And by the way, I might have a 20 left to throw in the proverbial offering plate, right, yeah. or to, to, to give to a ministry. But wealthy people do the exact opposite. And what that does is by giving first, is it what we've seen is it orders your life. And I don't know what that percentage is. You know, for a lot of people, it's 10%. Some people, you know, there's some biblical references to that. You know, I would say, you know, think about it, pray about it, whatever whatever you're comfortable with. But the point is give first. One, it puts you in that mindset. And and you get rewards. Like, I have never personally or met anybody that gave regularly first that said, you know what, I'm going to stop doing that. That has been a terrible policy for me. That yeah. has not worked out well. I mean, I've never met anyone. Right. There are so many rewards that you get. And you're not doing it to get rewards. That's the beautiful thing. You're just mm-hmm. doing it out of obedience and out of a... But but worlds open up uh, when you start doing that. We didn't we didn't do that. That's another thing we didn't do early in our life, our married life, uh, my wife and I, and that we help clients. It's like I can't tell you how much to give. I can't force you to give. Right. It's not for look at me, look how great of a person I am. You will get so many intrinsic rewards. But what it also does is those ministries are now beneficiaries, and that propagates through your local communities. That's right? true. Yeah, very when true. You give the food bank or the the, you know, there's a ministry here that, you know, helps foster children get adjusted to their new school. What a, what a concept is that, you know, you've helped out your community and it propagates and makes everywhere around you, everyone around you better. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a great point. And that's, that's where we focus and, and that's where we believe we help the community be better because people will listen to us, right? They're hiring you to be your financial planner sure. and advisor, they may not do everything we say. It's you know we're not their dad, and we're not trying to be their dad. But when we say, "Hey, you will get intrinsic benefit from this. You will love that you're doing it, and you'll feel great about it, and it'll work out well for you." And they start doing it, you're like, "You know what? You're right. Right. It's been amazing. I had a client that um, got a huge contract because he started giving to this one particular firm, or, or I'm sorry, nonprofit, and met this guy that ran this other firm while they were at an event. 
he gets a new, uh, you know, it's just, that's yeah. the way our, our economy and our way I believe God designed it to work is give first. Right. Believe first. You know, giving is an act of belief. Right. It's an act of faith. If you never think you're going to get another dime in your life, you're not going to give it. If you've got one loaf of bread and you think that's the only loaf of bread you're ever going to give, it's going to be hard for you to give a couple of pieces away. Right. But if you think you're going to be baking a lot more bread, that God has way more bread for you in the future, it's a lot easier. That's true. To give. about that. So it's it's it builds your own faith to give. So, well, uh, last form of giving you talked about it. I didn't know about this till we were emailing how you and your wife are looking at starting a healing ministry, or you mm-hmm. have started it, or what, what's going on with that? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking about that. It's uh, you know this actually started before the COVID epidemic even came up. We were just looking around and just saw how many people were struggling with health issues and anxiety and when you read the great commission mm-hmm. in 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 the bible you know at the end jesus is leaving his di- disciples and he basically tells them to do three things right one is feed my sheep love my people right to tell them about me mm-hmm. it's called the great commission you know uh, and heal them in my name and you know we've done a little bit of the first two Right, yeah. loving others, you know, tried yeah. at least. Probably not always been as successful yeah. as we'd like to be. Yeah, and me both. Uh, the second is is telling people we've done a little bit about that. Probably not as much healing. I haven't really done much on that front, right? Healing in my name. What can we do? And so we started looking around and, and we started praying about. You know, there's some great churches in our area. You know, should we start a church? Uh, my wife owns a yoga studio. She would see how many people got literally healed coming to there you know people would say my back feels better than it's been in years uh-huh. or i've got so much peace i spent an hour and a half meditating and just relaxing my mind and just pe- yeah. i feel so much better i just feel better we thought you know how can we be more prescriptive about that how can we help people that praying more right yeah. the miracles that we see in the bible right we're born out of prayer and fasting so it's interesting. We convened a group at our house to talk about this and said, should we start a church? Should we start a nonprofit? Should we just all go out and minister? And we actually had them write down. We all sat around and said, anonymously wrote down, you know, if Jesus was here, if best we can, you know, visualize that, and, and what would he tell us to do? And uh, healing was a big part of that, helping people heal, helping people who are sick, helping, you know. Right. Um, and, and so we were really focused on that. And so now what we are doing is we've organized a couple of uh, initiatives to get people together that are in some form of healing ministry okay. and get them in community. And we may uh, also, you know, we were doing the yoga ministry. We're doing some retreats that are focused on healing where we're going to bring in everyone from chiropractors to pastors to, you know, people, people are going to get prayed over. People are going to get practical healing tips. They may get adjustments. Who knows where yeah, this is yeah. going to go? But it's all about actively going, how can we bring healing to people's lives? The other big piece of it is we've launched a course, or I'm about to launch it. We Final touches on it. Sure. A course on uh, anxiety, the ultimate guide to ending anxiety. I, I don't know if you know people that have had panic attacks. Yeah, they have trouble yeah. sleeping. Um, they've got all these physical ailments, you know, and the first thing I would say to everyone, go to your doctor, get checked out, see if you have, you know, make sure you don't have a you know, cancer or, a, you know, some sort of, you know, treatable condition. But for a lot of people, they have just a heavy anxiety load. Sure. And once your brain gets in that loop, it's very hard for some people to get out of that. 
And we, we now have a uh, ministry or, you know, we're going to have a course that's going to be offered through this ministry that's available, that works, that's been proven. I know a lot of people have done it. I've done it myself, gotten mm-hmm. tremendous relief, tremendous healing from it. Very practical things that you do, but you have to do that. You have to do them. Yeah, all. right, right. But if you do, you will get healing. You will get actual physical symptom healing. Wow. Sleep healing, rest, um, migraines go away. You know, this is not some hokey, you know, it's backed by science. It's based on the way the brain works. Uh, neuroplasticity, a concept. You're retraining your brain to think about things and release things that naturally stress the brain out. And it's your brain's right. way of saying, hey, I'm, I'm stressed out here. And so that's a part of this healing ministry, too. So we're very, very excited about it. And we think it's going to help clients. We think it's going to help the community. And so we're, we're putting the finishing touches on that right now. And, and when will that course be available and where can people find it? Yeah. Uh, great questions. And I'm adjusting this uh, good, yeah. to, to better answer so people can hear. Um, the, the, it'll be an online course. We know it's going to be an online offering. We don't know whether we're going to have a separate website yet or it's going to be through our existing websites yet. So more to come on that. I'll, I'll okay. be sure to let yeah. you know. Keep in touch. I'll put it out. Um, and, uh, but we hope that's out in, you know, by October 1st is the goal. Okay. Um, and so that's our kind of commitment. I'm, I'm working furiously on matter of fact, my wife told me this morning, I was like, how are we doing on getting that thing out? It's like yeah. accountability while we're, uh, you know, having breakfast. So yeah. Anyway. Well, also, okay. Is there anything that we did not get to touch on you want to cover before we wrap up? I know you, you did some homework, you said, yeah, you know, just a couple of more things about kind of in the vein of healing and what are you yeah. reading and what can, what can people do? You know, this is just like lightning round, right? The way yeah. I view this is I've humbly learned a few things that have helped me and others. And I know other people have the same. And so the other thing we're considering doing, we haven't gotten finalized around is starting a group that's called, you know, um, I know something you don't know, Mm -hmm. which is you probably know some things that would really help me that I have no idea, you know, and I have the same. So one example is I know how to keep kids from needing eyeglasses. I know how to help their eyes heal if they so they don't need contacts and glasses anymore. Nine out of ten kids, right? That sounds really weird. You're like, that sounds so bizarre. How did you figure that out? A wise person in our life said, hey, did you know this? I noticed your kid's got glasses. Uh-huh. My middle daughter is the first 16-year-old, first person to make it to her sophomore year in high school in generations without needing contacts or glasses. Huh. My son doesn't need them. My oldest daughter, I told her, sorry, didn't learn about this soon enough. She needs yeah. them, but only a little bit because we discovered it. So that's some, that's a simple healing, right? What if you didn't have to go to the eye doctor anymore, right? We love eye doctors, nice people, right? But what yeah. if you didn't have to go there all the time to get eyeglasses? What if your eyes weren't tired at night from wearing yeah. contacts? That's a small example. Who knew that that existed? It turns out there are hundreds of thousands of people that know that you don't have to have eyeglasses. You can reverse it for kids. Oh, really? Uh, because they're still growing. So what if your kid's got eyeglasses and don't need them anymore? So that's a small example of something I know I know that maybe others don't, but there are other people that know things I don't. And right. so we want to create a forum that gets those things out there. Uh, another thing, small thing, is what are you reading? Five Love Languages. Have you uh, read that? No, I've not. I think I've done the the test okay. a couple times. Have you really? Yeah. What are you? What's your... Uh, that's it. I don't even remember. It's been, it's been a couple of years now. Go take that if you so want I need, to. Yeah, it's I need great. To. It's great. So it probably saved our marriage. Really? 
And uh, but just real quickly, what the five languages yeah. are is um, you express this is how you give and receive love the best. And so if we're told to love our neighbor, in my personal opinion, it's helpful to know these love languages. Sure, it's been sure. a game changer. I'm not judging anyone who doesn't. I'm just saying it's been super helpful. Physical touch, way to show love. Mm-hmm. Gift giving, way to show love. Acts of service, you know, washing someone's car, you know, cleaning their kitchen for them, whatever. Act of service. Um, quality time, spending time. Uh, with them, you know, all mm. these are, are, are love languages and people have different things. Words of affirmation is the fifth one, right? Isaac, you're the greatest podcaster that ever lived, right? Or, you know, Isaac, I love your architectural ideas or, you know, whatever, yeah. um, that makes you feel good. If you're a words of affirmation person, most people have one or two primary, right? So for example, what happened when my wife and I got married is I am quality time and physical touch, right? And I would quality time. I would just plan these elaborate dates, picnics three yeah. hours i'd make all the sandwiches you know yeah. all this stuff we'd go out beautiful park never told my wife she was beautiful never told her i loved her never told yeah. her how, what a stunning mind she had for none of that yeah she meanwhile told me oh you're amazing you're handsome you're funny i love you i love everything you know you just give me all these you know verbal affirmation because that's what she likes what she needs i wasn't giving her any so what was happening is and then she didn't want to go on the dates with me so uh-huh. I'm planning, but I'm handsome and funny. I'm right? handsome and funny and planning these elaborate <laughs> dates with the problem, right? And yeah. we were missing each other. Uh huh. Once we figured that out, saved our marriage. It's helped us with our children. Not we're not perfect parents, by the way. I mean, there's plenty of people around that can say, "Yeah, so I'm on the soccer field one day," but uh, you know, I'm uh-huh. just saying in general, it's hugely helpful to know how to love. It's one thing to say love your neighbor. What if you knew sure. how to love your neighbor? So that's a book that I recommend for anyone. So I wanted to throw that there. Yeah, I know you like five love languages. Five love languages, great one. Other classics are "You Think and Grow Rich," you know, "How to Win Influence and Influence People." Uh, love all those. I'm currently reading a book by Raymond Presson, who I know very well, Doctor Presson. Awesome. It's called "When Will My Life Not Suck." Oh wow, it's that's, a really that's a title. Good one. Yeah, he wrote well, he wrote it with his yeah. son. He's a he's a therapist, a great, unbelievable therapist, great read. So. Anyway, okay. Wanted to throw those out there because I really think they help. And uh, if everyone you know could read those, I, I think they'd be happy. You know, world be a better place. They'd be happy they did. So. Hopefully, I, I need to read them next. So we'll <laughs> see. Maybe I'll look back at this podcast. Like, man, yeah, that that was the uh, that was the pivot right there. It doesn't make all your problems go away, but yeah. it it doesn't hurt for sure. sure. So. Well, cool. Anything else? Anything final you want to add before we head out? You know, no. I just appreciate you having me on. It's been great. Man, Thanks. well, I appreciate you coming on. Glad we can make it work. Uh, hopefully, right in time for your for your next meeting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Again, it'll be up soon. Be up very soon. And uh, how can people like keep up with you or your website and course? Is, is there anywhere they can follow you or stay updated? Email list, anything like that? Yeah. So, uh, you know, eFinancialAlliance.com is where we post blogs. You know, if they want to know about our thoughts on mm-hmm. markets and that sort of thing. Uh, Twitter. I'll be using that to post when this course comes out. Mitch is green, you know, Mitch, Mitch is green. Mitch yeah. green. Uh, you can find us out there, uh, for the studio abundant yoga. If you want to know when classes abundant are healing, yoga. abundant yoga, okay. uh, you can find it on Instagram, uh, is a great place to, to find them out. They're, they're much better at, at social media on yeah. that. And so, uh, any of those are good. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, thanks again for coming on and everyone. Thanks you for listening. It was a long one, but it was a good one. Hope it's helpful. And uh, we will see you guys on the other side.